0: Hello and welcome to the K-Scope podcast. Billy Reeves here bringing out the big guns in this episode. The singer of one of the UK's biggest progressive metal bands, Tesseract, Daniel Tompkins, talking about his side project, White Moth, Black Butterfly. News of Lunatic Soul, the side project of Marius Doudin from Riverside, one of the biggest metal bands in Europe. Snippets from the progressive... Music Awards album of the year, The Optimist by Anathema, and news of Anathema's Daniel Kavanagh's new album, Monochrome, and an exclusive interview with the band who invented Cosmisha, a tangerine dream. Well, before we hear from Daniel Tompkins and Jordan Turner of White Moth, a Black a Butterfly, here's a track from their album is the title track, it's called A Tone, out on Kscope right now.
1: Like the
0: That's called A Tone from the album of the same name which is out now on K-Scope. The singer, Daniel Tompkins of K-Scope Act, Tesseract and of Sky Harbour. Plus a couple of chums, uh, the main songwriter of Sky Harbour, a string arranger who's worked with the likes of Devin Townsend and Jordan Turner, Daniel Tompkins' fellow Mansfieldonian. I'll let Daniel explain who's who.
2: Randy Slaw... And Keshav Dar, um, Keshav lives in India, and Randy lives in Utah. He recorded strings for the Last Sky Album, and um, well, it turned out that he was an amazing songwriter. We invited him into the project, Jordan. The you're
0: album. So we're in we're in Utah, we're in the subcontinent, but we're also in Mansfield. <laughs> Uh, which is where you come in. So how did yeah. you two hook up musically?
3: Yeah, well, I met Dan through church um, and then asked me to be part of the first album just to sing on a few songs. Mm. Um, so then he asked me to feature heavily in the project from mm. then on.
0: Are you a singer for hire? Because that's quite a rare thing these days, isn't it?
2: I, I do. I do hire my voice out a little mm. bit here and there. And that is actually out of necessity at times. Um it's the, it's the nature of being a young un- underground band and trying to find a way to sustain that lifestyle. Because when I, when I joined Tesseract, mm. I was actually in the police force um, and I always wanted to be a singer. It was very, very strange for me because like growing up, I didn't have the qualifications to go to university. I didn't know how to, I mean, being up here in Mansfield, it's quite out of the way. It's Mm. not, you know, if if, if you want to be... it's not
0: not a rock and roll town.
2: It's not, no. I mean, it used to have a little bit of a scene, but it was never amazing. And I think a lot of people got trapped in, you know, staying locally, not not branching Mm. out enough or networking. And I thought, you know, I've really got to push myself out. I had lessons. Um, I went on, (laughs) when MySpace was a thing, I was was actively searching for bands that needed singers and having auditions for different bands. I Mm. didn't know any other way to do it other than to be in a band. And that's where yeah, it all yeah. started. But the the thing is, is that when when I joined Tesseract for the first place, that that was a um, a massive shock to me financially because I'd kind of grown up with a fiancé, would got a house, and all, all the financial commitments you'd expect to come yeah. with that. And I suddenly realised that I'd uh, thrown myself into a situation that I couldn't ultimately handle. The first time we went to the States, for example, we went away for, I think it was just short of eight weeks. And we came back with a bit of pocket money. And, you know, was a real slog, you know, in a van together, you know, driving hotels every night or motels. And it was hard work. And it got to, like, the third tour. And, you know, you can't... You you ask yourself the question, like, how is this sustainable? So what I actually do is I I started to teach singing. Okay. And slowly over the years, I've grown it into a business. And um, that is the other half of me, I guess, now. I, I teach singing. And I'm probably one of a few... Commercial uh, coaches that are actively yeah. touring and actually living the life of yeah. a singer.
0: Well, I guess I guess also that means you've got credibility as a teacher, isn't it? Because you know that you know they do say like the anti-intellectual. Like my dad, for example, would say, you know, if you can't do if you can't do it, you teach. Whereas you you do both. Has, um, has he taught you anything? What, what are the one of the top tips that he's given you?
3: Well, Dan has taught me a heck of a lot from the get go. I didn't even realize. That the voice was an instrument as such mm. for me, it was just singing. And the main tip for me is learning about the head voice, chest voice, okay. um, because for me, I'm a really soft singer, and I mainly mm. access my head voice. I didn't even know that there was a whole other chest uh, voice yeah. that existed until Dan like showed me that I needed to find that. Um, so that's been really helpful. Just try- trying to get myself to sound a bit more powerful when mm. when the song needs be But go by there. the
0: same token, I guess I guess you don't want to. You don't want to learn uh, to do it Correctly, if you've got something that's innate, there's a there's a thin line, isn't there? If you're being taught yeah. how to do something properly, yeah. sometimes you can thing lose. Thing. You know, there's a the difference I'm, between a vocalist there and is, a singer. Okay.
2: Like you had a, the first time I heard her sing, had the most mm. amazing timbre, and the, the tone and the softness and purity in the mm. voice was absolutely stunning. And I was like, I was always wanted to work there in some way. And then get, getting into the studio is a whole different matter because obviously in front of a condenser, you you know you picking up all different nuances in the voice. Mm. And we discovered some really cool parts to your voice yeah. you don't want to become trapped and almost be a one-trick yeah. pony exactly. you, you need to have access to yeah, every thing. aspect yeah. of your voice to, so you know, to get it, the most out of it um, yeah.
0: so most people will see it. probably fair to say that most people will see this as a damn Tompkins solo record outside of the Tesseract you know something that you're providing your own so it's very generous of you to have basically almost half of it sung by someone else isn't it <laughs>
2: I, I love Jordan bits, she's a really good friend, and I wanted to give her a platform as much as what I have because I really value her talent and you know she hasn't had the break or the opportunity to go out there and actually be on a record and, and you know live the life of a singer.
4: Bruised but forgiven. You talk like the world is against you, you pull your
3: and didn't necessarily need loads of tracks to be able to build it up and kind of to rely on the melody rather than all the other things behind that. So there are parts where we wanted to create those layers just to bring a little bit of extra mm. something out of the song, but we're just really focusing on creating beautiful melodies, I guess. I that comes we? through. Yeah.
2: That, that kind of comes through as well with my production Limited skills, (laughs) but that you can actually get do some pretty amazing things with one lead vocal. Very much so. No, I I totally agree. That's that's
0: why the the sequencing is interesting. I think because it kind of starts off gently, sort of like warms you in, and then almost suddenly there's a kind of mid period where the some of the organic eastern instruments come in, Mm. and there's one song which is essentially one note. Which brilliantly is called Which symmetry one, I believe. oh symmetry, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, this a really cool story to that song is that um i 'm also i 've also involved um, a lady called Amanda Munton, who 's a contemporary classical vocalist uh, operatic in terms of the classical yeah, so sense, she's sense that who pops up that 's Amanda but, and yeah. Amanda is someone that 's helped me out quite a lot in terms of developing myself as a vocal coach because she she lectures and teaches from the University of New Hampshire in the States as well um, and I discovered her because she's a contemporary classical singer okay. and that's very strange if you know anything about vocal technique you don't mesh the two if you're a traditional singer you normally stay within that world you don't branch out because there are a lot of hard and fast rules that you you need to adhere to so contemporary thinking being mixed with traditional yeah. singing is quite odd and I was intrigued by that and um, Ultimately, she she got involved in that song and, and Evelyn as well, and we just thought we'd throw absolutely everything at that song, <laughs> and we even tried doing um, <laughs> Tibetan uh, kind of like chanting. Now feel like
0: a certain drone, Eastern sort of D major drone. Yeah, yeah, or yeah,
2: yeah, and lots of because um, we're quite into pop music as well, mm. and this is definitely a progression from the first album in terms in terms of accessibility.
0: And what's actually the hardest word to sing? Is it going? in the rock and roll canon is it going go what's the hardest word to sing either in i mean obviously if you take a word outside the rock and roll lexicon you know barbecue is going to be quite difficult to fit into a song but within the rock and roll lexicon why is going the hardest word to sing
2: i don't know actually that's a really good question now i teach diction in singing mm. and i understand now that actually there should be no difficult words to sing okay. it's all about modulation and cleverly uh, shaping the, the vowels or consonants mm. within a word to make it easier for you to sing. So it really is just about uh, using good embouchure and placing that tone just right, okay, so depending I'm, on where I'm, you're in range. So I'm so going to give I'm, you a word. I'm going to
0: make you a star. David Essex, come here. I'm gonna, we gonna make you a star, because it. It was, I, I'm going, going to make you a star. That's a weird hard.
2: thing, though, because when I started, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the same for you, but I, I used to listen to loads of American rock bands, post-rock, mm-hmm. hardcore, and I actually developed an American accent in, in my okay. own voice at a young, a young age yeah. at the start of my kind of, like, journey. Yeah, because you
0: don't do that
2: now. No, not at all, no. no, and the first band that I actually joined was a, uh, a band called Piano. And um, they were studying at university uh, in Nottingham. Uh, in about, I, think I was about twenty-one at the time. And they—they um, they were the first people to pick me up on it. How do you—how do you say the word bus? Yeah, and I was like <laughs> bus. I said, well, sing it, Boss! <laughs> <Bus. laughs> <laughs> I was like, "It's all oh, well right." The rock and roll, lexicon <laughs> <Not> though. Not bus. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's
0: there's plenty of yeah. buses in rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's because I guess that's because the American English is the lingua franca of rock yeah. and roll, isn't it? Where, you know, because the Americans invented, apart from pop music, then kind of adding the the art school and adding the the kind of um, vaudeville to it the musical to it what Mm -hmm. the British did I mean the Americans have invented everything what's the most difficult word to sing then on this album I mean flashback is quite a difficult word to sing which you have to sing on this
3: Yeah, that's
0: not in the rock and roll (laughs) lexicon
3: you know I don't know for me whether it's more words, whether coming back to the accent thing. I think that I find that harder than the words itself in terms of accepting my own accent in the songs. Because Dan, I I understand now why you encouraged me to just Mm. go for it now, but I would listen back and I'd be like... Oh, the Derbyshire accent really comes through there, yeah. and it's yeah. not places, the most beautiful. Nice but yeah, yeah, you're always like, yeah. just go with it. It's like no, you there's see very few world, people. So. Too. I guess
0: that's why Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, of course, can do all the American accents, wasn't yeah. it? It was said. Whereas Robbie Williams, he sounds like, to the Americans, like Dick Van Dyke sounds to <laughs> us, because he can't do an American accent. He's yeah. doing that kind of mid Atlantic yeah. thing. So, okay, so give me a lesson. In. Dan, right. India. what's the f- do I what's the first thing I need to do? How do you keep if you're touring America, right? How do you look out firstly? How do you look after the old the old pipes then? What are the exercises? The old tone One of the breath. There I,
2: are no, no there are no uh, remedies. There are no real like old wife's tales that eventually work, than right? It is, yeah. <laughs> I think with a lot of people they have little things that 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 they do like oh, honey and manuka, honey mm. and you know peppermint teas The voice is incredibly subjective to the individual. So in actual fact, what may work for you might not work for me. So it is very much about finding something that works for you. So there may well be um, a little trick that might work for you, but not for me. So vocal silence is massively important in maintaining a good voice. Also hydration, like we should be taking like three okay. liters a day for like an average sized right. male, okay. for, for example, depending on your climate, where you live, humidity, age, levels of personal fitness, loads of, imp- loads of factors. So, <clears throat> yeah, you've got to search for what works for you and it's a lot about trial and error. Okay. But in essence, to keep a good voice, vocal silence, whenever you can adopt it, um, high protein diet because oh, you're using vocal God. muscles. I can't keep quiet all day. Oh no 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 no! no
0: it's all right. Can't, That's, I fine. Can't rest, That's fine. That's fine. Rest the voice. Do you know okay, what? Your high protein you know diet. What? Yeah, I can do that.
2: Stretching your vocal cords from top to bottom in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening is right. massively okay. important because for endurance in okay. singing, it's not just about breathing. It's not just about being healthy. It's about developing strong vocal muscles. And there are oh, two right, groups. Okay. You have, oh right. Okay. You have a CT muscle and a TA muscle. Right. And if you can stretch your cords out from top from the bottom of your range to the top in a sweep like a. Go on then. Mm,
5: Right. all you're right, doing right, well, is grabbing hold do that
2: again, of them do that again. Mm. Okay. you're grabbing hold of them wow. and you're making them pliable and stretching okay. them so if you do that daily you're building new habits, new muscular habits. And if you can have a high-protein diet, you're rebuilding muscle tissue to coordinate in a certain way. That's how you strengthen aren't your you voice. Aren't pa-
0: you absolutely paranoid, though? If you're, when you're going to America with Tesseract in the next few weeks uh, and Europe, aren't you absolutely paranoid? Stay away from me. Do you know what? Me. Say that cough, keep that cough away from me.
2: A little bit, yeah. You yeah. do have to kind of, like, be, you can't be clever. Your, you can change a guitar string, but you can't... Exactly, no, your you can't. Cord, you, yeah. have, you have to be clever. You know, if there's somebody coughing, I'll walk the other way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if somebody shakes, shakes my hand and they've got a sweaty hand, I'm afraid I'm going to wash it. Fist bump. <laughs> fist you know? bump. Yeah, yeah, just fist bump, that's <laughs> my topic. Yeah.
0: So Well, I think that probably concludes our business. Thank you very much very much really for nice. the tea. But, but obviously no milk in it. Why shouldn't I have milk in it? is well, it
2: dairy products aren't good for your voice, are they? <laughs> Chocolates, I understand. <laughs>
0: moth black butterfly that's called evelyn before that you heard the tempest those songs work as a duopoly there's a connectivity between them reflected in the videos to both of them which you can find on the Scope channels filmed in the Trossachs and near loch lomond and before that you heard the title track a Tone. white moth black butterfly the album's called atone and it's out now and my thanks to daniel and jordan for their hospitality. Right, some oral notices from the K-Scope stable Anathema. Album of the Year at the Progressive Music Awards, Daniel Kavanagh from Anathema launches a new solo album shortly. And Lunatic Soul, the brainchild of Riverside's Marias Duda, have announced their new album and video. Let's start with the new video for Can't Let Go from the Album of the Year at the Progressive Music Awards The Optimist by Anathema let's hear a bit I can't let go from the Optimist at the Progressive Music Awards Album of the Year. My hearty congratulations. The UK and European leg of the Megatour starts this week in Glasgow. 48 dates and then the band... Are in Australia in December. And Daniel Kavanagh from Anathema has released a track from his forthcoming solo album. It's called Monochrome. It's out on the 13th of October. The track is called The Exorcist, and you can see the video for this up on the K Scope channel. So let's hear a bit. Artwork for that incredible portraiture from one of the country's leading fine artists, Danny Branscombe. Now, Marius Douda has announced his new album as Lunatic Soul out on the 6th of October on K There's a video for this track up on the Kscope channels. This is called Anymore. Let's hear a bit. You don't talk
4: to me talk to me anymore I wanna show you
0: soul anymore from the forthcoming kscope album fractured which is coming out on the 6th of october and you can see the video for that up on the kscope channels right now directed by the good folk at Sphere. now everyone at Scope is extremely proud to be releasing the new studio album from one of the most important bands there's ever been tangerine dream the album is called quantum gate it's coming out on september the 29th to coincide and celebrate the band's 50th Anniversary and Edgar Fröss is no longer with us. He passed away in 2015, but he left instructions and hard drives behind for Torsten questioning Ulrich Schnauss and Hoshiko Yamane to create more music under the Tangerine Dream banner. Before we hear from Torsten and Ulrich, let's hear a track. From Tangerine Dreams, a new LP. This is called Tear Down the Grey Skies.
5: questioning um, composer and synthesizer sometimes uh, electric guitars on Tangent Dream.
6: My name is Ulrich Schnauz, or as people in this country prefer to say Ulrich Schnauz. <laughs> 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 I yeah, I, I play synthesizer uh, 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 as well. Torsten, first question to you, uh,
0: if I may, this record has had a an unusual and strange creative process gestation and birth can you put it
5: into words is how it came about Edgar decided to um, renew the lineup with Ulrich and skip um, some of the other live um, yeah people like saxophone and percussion and guitars and um, to come back to kind of sequencer driven and more electronic pure electronic Music, and so you invited um, Ulrich to uh, Ulrich <laughs> to to, to, uh, to join us, and um, he called the, the this phase um, of the band Quantum Years. Um, so there was one album in November. 2014 called malacunha and then we played in um, a tour in um, Australia in um, the four piece um, with Edgar, Hoshiko, me, and um, sadly he, he died in, in January 2015 and um, as part of his w- wishes and wish, um, um, they w- he, al- he already um, did many sketches, arrangements, um, recordings and, um, and on, on the most uh, – uh, the biggest part where uh, – concepts um, we spoke a lot, a lot of times about um, how we should make music in the future of Tangent Dream and um, how album and live performances should should happen and happen and and he left us a, a bunch of sketches many hard disks and um, so and because it was Edgar's wish, um, there was kind of no decision to do it or not. So, but it's kind of uh, uh, an order <laughs> to. Um, yeah to fulfill the vision yeah. of his quantum years um, yeah. um, concept
6: and so, as you know as germans we very much like following orders yeah, so <laughs>
0: yeah.
6: we didn't but hesitate But, a second. It, but,
0: yeah, but Ulrich, <laughs> they, this has been tinged by a huge amount of emotion so you know how uh, uh, as well as you know playing synthesizers and sending wavs backwards and forwards it's it's a much bigger deal than that so, uh, you know how
6: how does emotion get in the way in this situation um I would say it's um it really depends on the respective situation uh, as well. I have to say I felt very emotional particularly when we started working uh, on the record because we actually did uh, that in Austria in Edgar's studio because just as okay. Thorsten said we had to understand Edgar's filing system uh, as well which wasn't that easy because it was like uh, <laughs> literally I'm, I'm not exaggerating like 15 hard drives uh, uh, spread out on the floor of wow. the studio and most of the arrangements you could only load successfully if all of those drives uh, were connected Cracky. and it was all like scattered, uh, mm-hmm. scattered around and uh, for me it was very emotional because I was doing most of the stuff that I was doing like in a smaller studio that is sort mm-hmm. of separate room next door and the funny thing was, um, I mean, I don't want to sound too hippy-dippy or anything, but when I was doing that, I sometimes felt like uh, as if Edgar was yeah. a- around. And I, I actually got so into it that I sometimes felt like, ah, uh, this this is great, I'm yeah. going to open the door and go into the main studio and, and maybe play Edgar that, and then obviously realizing yeah. that that is... Uh, yeah, for very well, obvious well, reasons, if, not
5: possible. Yeah, well, but, well, if, well, if you, a, know.
6: you know, if a human
0: being, if a, if a soul is an electrical impulse in the brain, mm. then literally what Edgar left behind was electrical impulses via the hard yeah. drives. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Mm. Tor- Torsten, I'll I ask you something I've always wanted to ask you guys: is that this um, slightly ugly phrase, Krautrock? okay now the now my, the dear sainted david stubbs who wrote i think the the tome on the subject future days um he prefers as do i cosmetia. and that there's a there's a strange kind of um over the last sort of 20 maybe 25 years it's become hugely hip i think there's probably in britain a kind of um premier league of craftwork obviously can noy Tangerine Dream cluster, perhaps, so the kind of division one, and then you've got kind of, you know, maybe Amundel, vo but it, but it's odd that there's certain groups like Tangerine Dream that are considered really hip outside of Germany, and there's certain groups from the period who aren't. Can you put your finger on that? Why is it so... in? Why is that kind of abstract German music of the time so... It sounds just so hip nowadays?
5: Um so i think um every movement has a counter a counter movement like um um later on in the 70s with progressive rock leads to punk leads to the um, um plastic-esque sound uh, pop of the 80s leads to grunge leads to techno maybe leads to uh, hip-hop something like that, um, or that. Um, but um so i think it's well the free form of playing um and not trying to copy um, Bands from uh, the States or England maybe because they can't play like them um, okay. Was the idea to, as a counter movement to the folk Schlager and very soft okay. pop German music of, of the 60s? Um, would be my opinion. So the the, the idea to make an own music, like, like a new, new um, music in the country, which is, was was occupied oh. with, with very, very poppy, trashy sounds. She, not trashy, but at, at least cheesy sounds. Oh. And um, yeah, so, so it was long, they were maybe longing for, for a new form of music. Yeah. How much does politics pay? This is a question for you, Torsten, and for both of you, maybe.
0: But how much does, you know, politics play a part in that? Because we're talking the spirit of, you know, Tangerine Dream goes back to that kind of spirit of 68. And as you say, kind of like trying to rid, uh, you know, Germany maybe of its, of its bourgeois background and of its occupation of the Americans. How, how much did politics play a part in it, Torsten, do you think?
5: I think there was no chance to uncouple um, with politics in end of the sixties in Germany, or uh, especially in Berlin, or um, uh, like like, uh, uh, Noi and Düsseldorf. sort um, um, I think we have we had uh, no chance to um, have no opinion on things, mm. um, and um that wasn't kind of a natural thing i, I guess but um so, so to come but, but i don't ask uh, answer the questions um uh, the thing is uh, maybe the the crowd or psychedelic or cosmic music thing is um now kind of hip because of um some of the music w- which happens in the 2000s 2000, to 2010 the first decade mm. maybe yeah uh,
6: i think why Wyatt- It is impossible to ignore that uh, cultural developments uh, are different in different countries, different areas. Uh, I think we shouldn't nationalize music Mm. too much because obviously the beautiful thing about popular culture in general is that it is uh, so international and actually Mm. at best ignores any kind of boundaries, whether they're ethnic, religious, uh, gender. or, or. uh, any any of that kind of nonsense however like i said I, I, as i just acknowledged of, of course uh, you can trace the development of certain pop cultural uh, movements down to specific uh, uh, um, social constitutions mm. in and one one thing i would say about the reception of uh, crowd rock and all that german uh, stuff and probably also why it is popular and hip uh, mm. uh, here is that um, I had a very rosy-eyed view on uh, British uh, culture, uh, culture and society before I moved here, and I've never, I've never regretted moving. But also, I can see sort of like both sides of it now because what I do think is uh, what I do appreciate about the situation here is that there is like a never-ending hunger uh, thirst and desire for new and different things mm. and when something is different it actually is being appreciated here while mm. like in a lot of post-fascist post-totalitarian societies such as Germany for instance if you are different that's a problem you know because yeah. you're, so you're expected to blend in with uh, the, the mainstream society and mm essentially Um, however like i said after living here for 12 years now i also have to say um and i hope this is not too provocative i think there is a bit of a Almost like if I wanted to be polemic, I would say like a colonialist uh, yeah. sort of notion yeah. here in the UK, in the way that you are very—I mean, mm-hmm. not you personally, yeah, but you as a representative for the yeah. British public yeah. here. Yeah. No? Um, you you are very interested in in these uh, uh, um, yeah external cultural influences, mm-hmm. whether it's Bollywood or or crowd rock or whatever, but it's more like it's like an accessoire uh, or uh, uh, that's being uh, attached onto stuff without actually being too interested in what the real situation in those mm. countries is i mean proud rock was a reaction against German mainstream society and it was linked to that political movement which was like an even more harsh uh, reaction against German mainstream uh, on a more political uh, end and this kind of notion that you have here like there was a BBC documentary on Crowdrock called The Rebirth of Germany uh, or something Mm. like that I think that's actually to be honest with you that's very disrespectful to people like Edgar or Kraftwerk or or whatever Mm. because what they did was courageous and brave because uh, uh, it was actually their farewell and goodbye to Germany, but their intention certainly wasn't like to present like a, a marketable brand of German no, of pop so. culture yeah. that would sort of re redress Germany as a, as a crazy, open-minded, mm. great place, which it really wasn't. I mean, that one of uh, that a quote that I'm always use the the famous German uh, writer Heinrich Böll uh, uh, aimed that at the political s- uh, situation, that it was a situation of a war of six against sixty million, you know. And mm. that's like a much more accurate uh, representation of the whole crowd rock subculture phenomenon. It's, but and it's, it's yeah, I think it's,
0: it's beautifully put. Out of all of the tracks, uh, Ulrich has uh, spoken about that very eloquently. Is how Edgar. Had Left things out of all the tracks. Then, what was the one that actually came together really easily? What was the What was the Good Child?
5: Um, there was lots of really great stuff um, and tons of very, very Edgar-esque chord structures and his kind of using scales. And um, it remains Edgar's style. After there's, there's one track um, that uh, I'm particularly
6: excited or maybe even a little bit nervous about to find out what people's reaction is going to be because we took the liberty of putting uh, one track uh, on the album that uh, it does not involve Edgar but is, is like a joint uh, okay. uh, thing that, that we wrote and uh, um, it has the the uh, wonderful, wonderful title uh when everyone's dancing it's it's time to leave uh that torsten came up with and uh which is certainly a a motto i do agree with very very much especially in my late age i'll
0: tell you what you make a great slogan on a t-shirt there's there's merchandising opportunities there i think
6: I'm, I'm going to wear that one. Yeah. <laughs> send me your PayPal ID, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. uh, final, final question for you then, Torsten, because we must wrap it up. It's um, a, a short question, which probably has a long answer. What next?
5: Um, so... Uh, um. We breakfast. We, <laughs> yeah, breakfast. No, oh, no, no. no, that's. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm, after I'm after breakfast, so. what happens with Tangerine Dream? Yes. Yeah. So, so we, we, I'm uh, one hour behind uh, London. So um, it's, it's half past. Uh, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On rock and roll time, it's uh, this yeah, yeah. dawn hey, over there. Yeah. So, so, so. Um, you're
0: a musician. <laughs> <laughs> what happens so, next with Tangerine <laughs> Dream? Tourism? Okay.
5: So um, we're playing uh, a couple of concerts um, in uh, Star. Starting next month in um, the Netherlands, we're playing um, two concerts there. Then in February, um, we play the uh, Alpphilharmonie in Hamburg. It's uh, already sold out. Um, Then there are a few concerts in the pipeline for for March and May in Germany and hopefully, um, yeah, we're playing a uh, whole of Europe and um, maybe States uh, soon. There's enough, enough music, um, Tendron Dream is more than an idea than, than, than a band and could last mm. for more than 100 years. <laughs> Fantastic. There, is there anything you want to say to Ulrich then while you've got him here? Um, no, we're going um, to meet for rehearsals, um, uh, mid of um, October and um, yeah uh, he's a, and, he's, and he's aware of that are you
0: aware of that
6: I'm quite efficient you know?
0: <laughs> my thanks to Torsten Questioning and Ulrich Schnaus from Tangerine Dream the album Quantum Gate is out on September the 29th I'm going to play out with the track that they mentioned there It Is Time To Leave when everyone is dancing. Thanks to Ulrich and Christina for helping pull that interview together. Thanks to you for your time. My name's Billy Reeves and I'll speak to you again on the next K-Scope podcast Tatar.